spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. This week on Viewpoint. This is really when banks started pushing loan money out the door to get it as quickly as possible into students' hands because the more they did that, the more Sally May would guarantee them profits using taxpayer money. The dark side of loans for higher education. Then... All those things that had been mysterious, we can now read because people deciphered the Rosetta Stone. How the Rosetta Stone brought a dead language and mysterious culture back to life. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Napa know-how. At Napa, get great deals on a variety of craftsman tools all month long for those DIYers in your family. Like the 20-volt drill driver combo with a battery and charger for just $119. With a deal like that, we're putting unfinished projects on notice. Looking at you, loose doorknob. That's the drill driver combo, just $119. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and NapaOnline.com. While supplies last. Offer ends 12 21 There's confusion about how to protect yourself from COVID. One thing is certain. Whether or not you're vaccinated, you need an accurate thermometer to check for fever, the leading sign of flu and COVID. Be vigilant and contact your medical provider at the first sign of fever. Don't rely on non-contact thermometers that have no scientific studies. Only the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate in more than 100 clinical studies. Learn more at exergen.com. For close to two years now, borrowers have had their student loans on pause due to the pandemic. Unfortunately, this period of no accruing interest and no mandatory payments is soon coming to an end. The federal government is expected to resume repayments by February of next year. And it's not just a few million Americans this affects. There are 45 million people with student loans. And together, they owe $1.7 trillion. Today, the average borrower has about $36,000 of federal student loan debt, according to a report published last month by the Bipartisan Policy Center. With so much money owed, how do you pay it off? People are taking longer and longer to pay back their debt because they owe so much on the front end. It's taking them so much longer to pay it back. And so essentially what's happened is student loans have become basically like a 30-year mortgage, where instead of paying it back in 10 years, you're spending 20, 25, 30 years, even longer sometimes to pay back your student loans. So, you know, what used to be a 10-year obligation is now an obligation that is going to stick around for many people's adult lives and into retirement. That's Josh Mitchell, a reporter at The Wall Street Journal covering student debt and economics. He's also the author of The Debt Trap, How Student Loans Became a National Catastrophe. In his book, he highlights how President Lyndon Johnson crafted the student loan system in an effort to make college more accessible for everyone. In the years leading up to his presidency, 
there was pressure building to get more people into STEM fields. The roots of the student debt crisis are actually embedded in the Cold War. We have to go back to 1957 when the Soviet Union launched Sputnik, the first man-made satellite to reach space. And when this happened, this created a panic and Congress became really concerned that the nation, the United States, was falling behind in the technological race to space. And so they decided, members of Congress decided that we needed to rely on colleges to pump out more scientists and engineers so that we can retake the space race and basically beat the Russians. In 1965, Congress passed the Higher Education Act, which allowed students to take out federal loans for college. By the late 1960s and 70s, the importance of higher education was front and center. Congress all of a sudden started to focus on things like how to reduce inequality, how to lift people out of poverty. And this was really led by Lyndon Johnson, who had become president, obviously, at this point. And so very quickly, when Lyndon Johnson took office, he broadened the goal of higher education, which was to allow everyone, regardless of their lot in life, regardless of how much money they had or came from, to have an opportunity to go to college so that then they could come out and get a good job. As loans for higher education became easier to attain, more people started attending college. This money was quickly doled out and often had no upper limit, putting some in precarious positions. It was in the early 80s that tuition started to skyrocket. It started to rise at triple the rate of inflation. And so then the question becomes, well, why? Why did that happen? And it was right around the early 1980s that the student loan program really started to take off. Now, you might be asking at this point, well, if the program was put in place in 1965, why did it take 15 years for the student loan program to take off? It's a very complicated story, but basically the answer to that question is two words, Sally May. Congress created this for-profit company in the 1970s called Sally May, which basically was a company designed to guarantee that the more loans banks made to college students, the more money they would earn. By the early 1980s, this operation was running smoothly and millions enrolled in college. However, the rising demand began to drive up prices at universities. Today, the cost for college has skyrocketed, and Americans are taking out larger loans to compensate. The Bipartisan Policy Center reports that tuition and fees at public four-year universities have risen by 42% between 2006 and 2020. Today, the average total cost for an undergraduate student living on campus, attending a public in-state college for four years, is more than $100,000. Even with financial aid, potential scholarships, or grants factored in, how is this number feasible? In some cases, to help out, families step in and shoulder the debt. Parents are increasingly taking out debt on behalf of their college children to help them pay for their undergraduate tuition. So it used to be the American tradition of if you're a middle class or an upper class family, you pass wealth down to your children. You leave money for them so that they can inherit their money. But the opposite is happening right now. You actually have debt being passed upward. You have parents, and in some cases, grandparents taking on debt on behalf of their children just to give them a shot at the American dream. 
Another area where debt is quickly growing? Advanced degree programs. More than 40% of student debt outstanding in the United States is graduate school debt. And this is where a lot of the growth is. People are taking out $50,000, $100,000, hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt to go to grad school, to go to medical school, to go to law school. So this is where the biggest source of growth is right now. With so much money that needs to be paid back month after month, something unexpected can happen in life, and it can be easy to quickly fall behind on payments and end up in default. Mitchell says that this scenario is all too common, and it's feeding into an unsustainable crisis. If you look at how many people were defaulting on their loans before the pandemic, it was on a typical day, it was one in five people who had student loans in the repayment cycle who were in default on their student loans. That's twice the level of people who were in default on mortgage loans at the height of the housing crisis. And we all agree that that was the housing crisis. So if you look at how many people are falling behind on their loans, it's even more than during the housing crash. The reality is that as students' loans start back up next year, millions will struggle to stay on top of payments. Mitchell says that many young people are pushing off major milestones like marriage, starting a family, or buying a house because they're burdened by debt. It's clear that the current system is broken, but for those looking to get a degree soon, what are some practical options? Community colleges also provide a whole range of different types of programs. They provide job training-related programs. They provide general education. They provide programs for students who are still in high school to take college-level courses. They provide programs for students who are interested in transferring to a four-year college. And they serve students from a range of different characteristics, right? So students who are enrolling immediately from high school. They also have a number of different opportunities for people who are working full-time and also trying to get a college degree. That's Dr. Laura Perna, a professor of education and vice provost for faculty in the Graduate School of Education at the University of Pennsylvania. Currently, 19 states offer tuition-free community college programs for students who meet eligibility requirements. Enrolling in this kind of program and staying home for two years and then transferring to a four-year university can save thousands of dollars. In addition, Perna says, don't be afraid to ask for guidance from an expert. There's variation across high schools and the extent to which there are counselors and other staff that can help students understand and find out what the costs of going to college are. I've done a project with my research team looking at net price calculators. And so net price calculators are one potential mechanism that can help students and their families try to understand, you know, what are the costs and how much financial aid might they be eligible for. So there could be assistance in the form of grants. And so important to recognize what a grant is. And so a grant is money that doesn't have to be repaid. And so, you know, looking to see and try to get a sense of the availability of grants. Also asking questions about, well, how is eligibility for grants determined? Is it based on your financial need? Do you have to meet some academic requirements? You know, what do you have to do to get a grant? And then what do you have to do to keep it after you enroll? Sifting through the many options of where to attend and how to pay for higher education can be overwhelming. But doing the work now. Asking questions and understanding how much you owe is critical to avoiding long-term debt after graduation.
To find out more about this topic and our guests, Josh Mitchell and Dr. Laura Perna, visit viewpointsradio.org. Also check out Mitchell's new book, The Debt Trap, available online and in bookstores now. This segment was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. I'm Gary Price. Coming up, the mystique of the Rosetta Stone, the key to decoding an ancient culture when Viewpoints returns. You're always up for some fun with the family, so you order the essentials, a new board game, some baking supplies, and even a new projector for outdoor movie night. And with the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card, you can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, which could increase up to 5.25% as a preferred rewards member. Rewards which you can put toward an extra treat that everyone will enjoy, like an old-fashioned popcorn machine. Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding and apply now. Copyright 2021 Bank of America Corporation. We're going to need to fire up the plow, the big one. Forecast is six feet of snow and 66 new customers for Trin Snow Service. Hey, Terry. She needs more drivers before business melts away. What do you mean Dee can't drive? I thought he was certified. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Whether you're vaccinated or not, it's important to know the symptoms of COVID and its variants. Fever is the leading sign, and only the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate with more than 100 clinical studies. Non-contact thermometers have no clinical evidence behind them and cannot be relied on. Be vigilant and seek medical advice at the first sign of fever. Be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com. That's exergen.com. You may be into punk rock, soft rock, or classic rock, R&B, hip-hop, or house, country, techno, or techno-country. But no matter what kind of music you listen to, here's something else you should hear. Please consider getting vaccinated. Talk to your pharmacist today about Comirnaty, COVID-19 vaccine mRNA. This message brought to you by BioNTech and Pfizer. Ancient Egypt has fascinated the modern world for centuries with its rich history and unique architecture. Venture inside ancient temples and pyramids, and you'll see mysterious hieroglyphs inscribed on walls and tombs. These carvings are pictograms of eyes, birds, beetles, and a vast assortment of other figures that together tell a cohesive story. However, these writings remained a mystery until the discovery in 1799 of what is now called the Rosetta Stone. This wedge-shaped rock fragment, named after the town where it was found, measures four feet by three feet and weighs three-quarters of a ton. It's covered in three different types of writing, hieroglyphs at the top, an unknown script at the time in the middle, and Greek along the bottom. In short, the stone is the key to deciphering all Egyptian hieroglyphs. Hieroglyphs were not the very earliest writing, but they were pretty close to it. The oldest writing is just over from just before 3000 BC, which is about when uh, hieroglyphs come along too. And it turned out that the hieroglyphs at the top were how Egyptians wrote their language. And that middle mysterious section 
was also a way of writing Egyptian. It was kind of a shorthand way of writing hieroglyphs because hieroglyphs, which are pictures, were awfully slow to write ordinary messages. You'd have to draw a snake and a vulture and a zigzag. And so the Egyptians invented a kind of shorthand for ordinary purposes. And that's what that mysterious middle writing was. But nobody knew that. They thought it was another kind of writing and another kind of language altogether. That's Edward Dalnick, a writer and the author of The Writing of the Gods, The Race to Decode the Rosetta Stone. In 391 AD, a Roman emperor who was a fervent Christian convert decreed that all Egyptian temples be torn down. By this time, Egypt's glory days were long gone. Sadly, during this period of destruction, the full slab of the Rosetta Stone was lost. As the centuries went by, no one alive knew how to read hieroglyphs. Yet the fascination with these strange markings increased. After the discovery of the partial slab of the Rosetta Stone in 1799, two researchers embarked on a mission to decipher the code. The first was Englishman Thomas Young, and the second was Frenchman Jean-Francois Champollion. It took decades to figure out the code. But why was it so difficult? especially since both men knew how to read Greek. Why didn't they assume each text said the same thing and just match the Greek letters with the hieroglyphs? You've got these hieroglyphs, this message, and you've got this Greek writing. And so you might think it would be easy to match them up. But if you think about it, if you picture a slightly more familiar example, if you looked at, at a bunch of Chinese writing, say, if you didn't speak Chinese, you might wonder how in the world you would start does the writing go up and down or side to side? And how do you know one word from another? How do you begin to guess that? So it's a harder problem, this deciphering, than you might think. And even with the Greek in hand, to figure out how the Greek matched the hieroglyphs was a terribly hard problem. They thought it would take two weeks, the first people to look at it thought. And it ended up taking 20 years. The big breakthrough came when Young and Champollion realized that the most important hieroglyphs were enclosed in an oval. The most conspicuous word in the Greek section was the name of the pharaoh who reigned at the time when the Rosetta Stone was written. His name was Ptolemy. And so maybe those two things matched. Maybe those ovals had the name written in hieroglyphs of the pharaoh. And they tried to match up the Greek name Ptolemy with these symbols in this oval. And then their first guess was that the first hieroglyph in the oval matched the first sound in Ptolemy and the second symbol of hieroglyphs matched the second symbol and so on, like answering a first clue in a crossword puzzle. With more clues, correct guesses, and years of research, Young and Champollion successfully decoded the entire Rosetta Stone, unlocking the meaning of every hieroglyph ever written. We know exactly what it says. And now all these things that Egyptians wrote through all those long 30 centuries when they ruled, which had been mysterious for thousands and thousands of years, now we can read everything. We know what it said on those temple walls. We know what it said in a letter that someone has found that one Egyptian wrote to another or in a bill of sale or in a diary or a love letter or a play. All those things that had been mysterious, we can now read because people deciphered the Rosetta Stone. Before the Rosetta Stone was fully decoded, many people believed hieroglyphs held lofty secrecies, such as the meaning of life. But it turns out these symbols had a much more practical translation. They say everything. Some of the letters say things like, I wrote to you last week and I still haven't heard from you. What's going on? 
or there's uh, someone found a will from a woman who said, uh, I took care of you ungrateful children all through my life, and you haven't done anything for me in return, and now I'm not leaving you anything. And some things are much grander. A king says, I'm so mighty, and here's how I ruled, and here's who I conquered, and that kind of thing. But any foreign language can be difficult to interpret if you don't fully understand the culture. Imagine people in the distant future trying to figure out what the term just Google it means if Google is no longer around. One of the things it shows is that things can disappear. Here was this culture that for 3,000 years ruled the world. And then when knowledge of how to read its records disappeared, that was essentially it for that whole culture in world memory. So things are more fragile than you might think. And then even when you do write things down, it will be hard when people come along, harder than you might think for them to understand what we were about, even if they do find records, because lots of things in writing require that you have some grasp of the culture if you're to know what they mean. But like if you read something about, in the future, someone reads something about someone gave someone the cold shoulder, say, that will be mostly obvious what that means. Or if they read somewhere that he was head over heels for her. You know, head over heels sounds perfectly ordinary. How would you guess that that meant madly in love? These stories of breaking secret codes have long held a tremendous appeal. Perhaps the fascination lies in the fact that we are all curious about the unknown. So, what does the Rosetta Stone actually say in three different languages? Well, it's a curious thing. Most of the famous documents you can think of in the world, like the Declaration of Independence, are important because of what they say. The Rosetta Stone is important because of how it said it, because it said the same message in different languages so you could translate it. What it said, actually, was kind of chest-thumping on the part of the pharaoh who wrote it. It said, I'm so high and I'm so mighty that everybody must know about me, and in fact, I'm so important that I'm going to make sure that nobody can miss hearing how wonderful I am, and therefore I'm going to write about my greatness in more than one language. I'm going to write the same message in different languages right here. And so the message wasn't so much. It was just, aren't I swell? But because it was translated into different languages, it was terribly important. Today, the actual Rosetta Stone is on display in the British Museum in London, where it remains the most popular attraction. Dalnek believes there will forever be a unique fascination surrounding the reign of Egypt, which ruled and remained an independent land for almost 30 centuries. Egypt is about the only ancient culture that anyone has heard of with the pyramids and the pharaohs and all this. And it was all mysterious until suddenly the Rosetta Stone let you know what was going on there. So it's not only a deciphering story, which people like, but it's this kind of message in a bottle. Here's an ancient culture that had been closed off from us that nobody knew what was going on. And then someone finds this Rosetta Stone and all of a sudden they can learn what that culture was all about. Edward Dalnick's book, The Writing of the Gods, The Race to Decode the Rosetta Stone, is available now online and in bookstores. You can learn more about all of our past guests by visiting our website at viewpointsradio.org. For more behind the scenes, search Viewpoints Radio on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This segment was written and produced by Polly Hansen. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. Our studio engineer is Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson. Viewpoints returns in just a moment.
Cricket Holiday Hotline, what's your wish? I have the voice of an angel and I was born for the stage. Can you make me famous? I can suggest switching to Cricket for a free Cricket Dream 5G phone. Go on. With speedy uploads and smooth streaming, you'll be a viral sensation in no time. Thank you. Okay, gotta go. <laughs> Get a free Cricket Dream 5G phone when you switch. It's everything you wished for, including the price. Must bring it over to Cricket on a $60 a month voice plan. Video and standard definition. First month service charge and tax due at sale. 5G may not be available in your area. Fees, terms, and other restrictions apply. See CricketWireless.com for details. Introducing Venture X, Capital One's new travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Welcome to Culture Crash, where we examine what's new and old in entertainment. During Thanksgiving week, Disney Plus rolled out all eight hours of Get Back, a new documentary from director Peter Jackson about the Beatles recording the album that would eventually become Let It Be. That period has long been believed to be the time that led to the band dissolving, not the least because another documentary, called Let It Be, portrayed it as such. But the magic of Jackson's corrective, extended documentary is that it shows that period for what it actually was. An intense, magical time when the Beatles argued and grew apart, sure, but also when they continued to make great music and were having a lot of fun with each other. The arguments are in there, but so is the collaboration and displays of intense friendship. Much of the documentary simply puts the viewer in the room with the Fab Four as they jam on their instruments or bang their heads against the wall trying to fix the melodies and lyrics that we all now know so well. One particular moment, where Paul McCartney strums and hums his way through an unfinished version of the song Get Back, went viral. And it's no wonder why. It truly feels magical to be let in on the moment when one of our time's great creative geniuses figures out his next big output. It's a rare insight into Paul and the Beatles and also creativity itself. Like I said, the biggest delight of Get Back is hanging out with the most famous band of all time and to get to see them in their natural element, making music back in their 20s. It's a thrill to watch all eight hours of it. Get Back is now streaming on Disney+. I'm Evan Rook. Napa know-how. Right now, a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil is only $19.99. It's the hottest deal of the year for the coldest time of the year. So if you're in your car right now, there's no need to turn on the heat. I'm about to read this sizzler again. That's Napa Full Synthetic for a hot $19.99. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating locations does not include taxes and fees. Advertised sale price not available in some states. Offer ends 12-31-21. There's confusion about how to protect yourself from COVID. One thing is certain. 
Whether or not you're vaccinated, you need an accurate thermometer to check for fever, the leading sign of flu and COVID. Be vigilant and contact your medical provider at the first sign of fever. Don't rely on non-contact thermometers that have no scientific studies. Only the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate in more than 100 clinical studies. Learn more at exergen.com. That's Viewpoints for this week. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more about upcoming shows. And find a library of past programs on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and more information about our guests at viewpointsradio.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Viewpoints. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com, code SUPER24.